So we've looked at over 600 faith-based charities that are alleviating poverty in the U.S. and around the world. And some of them, you, you, some of them, you know, it's easy to try, want to solve every problem. Yeah. And to fall into the trap as a nonprofit of while trying to solve every problem, to not get good at solving any one particular problem. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Next Donor. I'm your host, Andy Jones. On Next Donor, we gather practical insights from nonprofit leaders on what it takes to grow your organization and donor relationships. Next Donor is brought to you by Roundtree. I lead Roundtree. We help organizations improve their communications with donors. We create a customized plan and do all the work to execute it. We make it possible for your organization to improve relationships with existing donors and acquire new ones through clear, consistent, and creative communications. Find out more about us at roundtreeagency.com. On today's episode, I get to speak with Brian Grasso, the founder and CEO of Simple Charity, a nonprofit based in Durham, North Carolina. So Simple Charity is a nonprofit organization that Brian sort of started in high school accidentally and then formally organized as a college student but it's still very young for an organization and that's actually why i wanted to talk with brian i wanted to hear his story what inspired him to start this organization what they're doing and what he's learned about fundraising and what it takes to grow an organization i know i promise you're going to enjoy this conversation with brian grasso Well, welcome to the show, Brian. Thanks for having me, Andy. <laughs> it's uh, fun to meet you and get to hear a little bit about your story. So, uh, Brian, what is the story of Simple Charity? Hmm. Yes, Simple Charity is a 501c3 nonprofit that helps Christians practice solidarity with the poor. So what, what is solidarity with the poor? It's the most common question we get. <laughs> And we really see solidarity as the intersection of three historic Christian virtues. So these are humility, justice, and charity. So humility, we think about what it means to learn from the poor by seeing their abundance. Jesus talks about, uh, you know, he starts his most famous sermon with, blessed are the poor in spirit. Mm -hmm. So there's something there. And then there's this other piece of justice. Um, and this is something I think my generation is really in tune with. And that is that there are systems at work that perpetuate poverty or allow people to escape from poverty. And so we think of justice as standing with the poor to help make these systems better. And then charity as sacrificing for the poor by giving of our time, talents, and treasures. And so um, we talked a lot about these virtues of justice, charity, and humility, and how when they intersect, that produces solidarity with the poor. Um, and then we talk about the habits and practices that are involved in living these things out just for, for everyday believers. And so what we want to say is that solidarity with the poor is global, that the, the mission of God is global. We see throughout scripture that Jesus is Lord of every tribe, every nation, every tongue. And then uh, that's also essential, that this isn't a side issue. It's not something for some Christians who feel called to it, but this is actually, you know, as we, we dig into uh, the story of the Bible and even Christian tradition, um, we find that uh, caring for the poor, solidarity with the poor 
is, is an essential component of Christian thought and practice. And then the third thing is that it's a part of the abundant life that when we live out solidarity with the poor, we actually live richer, deeper, more meaningful lives <laughs> than when we just chase, I don't know, sex, money, and power or the yeah. American dream or whatever. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I like to remind people that uh, I believe Galatians 2 verse 10 is the only time the Apostle Paul says, this is what the other disciples instructed me to do, uh, where he gives a very specific instruction that was handed to him from the 11, uh, 12, I guess, uh, disciples that he'd gone to visit and sit under. And that was that he would remember the poor. Um, and yeah, that's just not something you hear emphasized in that way in our own discipleship circles. Absolutely. And, and, I think that verse in some ways captures, it's almost a different way to state what our mission is as an organization is to help American Christians remember the poor. You know, I, I hear, I've heard Andy Crouch say a few times, I don't know if he was the original person, but he, he's, mm -hmm. Andy Crouch says, we either contemplate or we exploit. Hmm. And what I think one way to frame Simple Charity's mission is to help people from, you know, uh, American evangelicals, I don't know, <laughs> to help American evangelicals to, to contemplate those who are in poverty. Yeah. And, and just doing that, you know, I, I think American Christians, you know, on average, you hear stats on average, American Christians give less than 3% of their income. Mm -hmm. um, and can we say that it's just because people are callous and they just don't care about these problems that they see around the world or, or is it really a, a failure of, of contemplation hmm. and of discipleship and teaching and content that helps people to contemplate those who are in material poverty? Yeah. So obviously you have, uh, it's, it's very apparent that you have thought through kind of uh, the, the foundational principles and values, the drivers of simple charity. But from a, a practical standpoint, uh, why did you start the organization? Yeah, absolutely. The, the main reason was, was because I saw this disconnect between, <laughs> I mean, what the Bible teaches <laughs> about caring for the poor yeah. and uh, Christian thought and practice in, in the modern American church. Um, and, and yeah, that, I mean, that's, that's the main reason yeah. I wanted to start. And so what, what we do to actually address this disconnect is we offer uh, content. Uh, community and charity recommendations. Um, so I'm happy to, to share about yeah. how those. Yeah, what does that look like? Uh, what does content community and, and charity recommendations look like? Yeah. Yeah. So content, you know, just begins by as an organization learning deeply about Christian thought and practice around Saudi support. You know, we learn from different traditions, but then, and then reproducing that and, and, um, and, and teaching, you know, uh, on uh, wherever, you know, wherever we can. Um, so we've published uh, a resource called the Solidarity Challenge that's about this idea and working on resources like that. But then we also have a podcast called Two Coins where we actually talk, share stories of people around the world who have overcome poverty. Um, and then for the community piece, we want to say content's good, but it doesn't transform us in, in the same way as when we we engage in community and a community of practice. And so we have college chapters that learn about these things and try to put them into practice. And then charity recommendations 
we have evaluated over 600 openly Christian charities and uh, narrowed it down to our top 24 recommendations using the best of what we can learn from development economics and from organizations like the Chalmers Center, which I know you've been a part of. Yeah. Um, and, and what we want to do is fill this trust gap. You know, I know the, the Chalmers Center, one of the most common questions y'all get, yeah. uh, at least this is on your FAQs, <laughs> um, is where do I give? <laughs> what yeah. organizations are doing this? And so uh, we, we don't know of another organization that is um, seeking to answer that question. We want to answer that question. So yeah. here's some great charities. That's great. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, it's obvious that poverty is an issue that's near and dear to you. So I'm just curious to understand how did that happen? Yes, Andy, it's been a, a long <laughs> journey. Um, the journey really started when I was 12 years old. I went on a short-term mission trip to Kenya and met a boy named Isaac, who was my same age. Hmm. And we became friends uh, pretty naturally. You know, we bonded over things like playing soccer out in the fields or hide and seek in the dormitories. And, and there was a sense for this 10 days that we were equals, that there wasn't, um, you know, yeah, it, yeah, that we were equals. Yeah. And um, Isaac was a double orphan. So mm. no living family. And uh, about a year after I got back from this trip, I learned that Isaac had ran away from the orphanage and was living on the streets in Nairobi. Mm. I think that friendship, you know, at the time I'm living in a upper middle class suburb of Atlanta. And you just ask this question of, you know, I have what I have because I was born here. He's in the situation that he's in because he was born there. And other than that, it's not that I worked harder for what I have. Yeah. It's not, you know, everything I have is a gift. I have this stable family. I have educational opportunities, all these things. And so that's, that's where God, I think, started working in my heart. Hmm. Um, and at the same time, I have to be honest, I, I started reading my Bible, you know, I was, I was, uh, I had this kind of second conversion, you know, I grew up in the church, but it's like, oh my gosh, the Bible is amazing. <laughs> you know, in middle yeah. school, I like discovered the Bible and I, I just couldn't get it out of my head that the texts of scripture paint caring for the poor as this core component of hmm. Christian discipleship. Yeah. It's, it's not a side issue. It's not just for parts of the church. It's, it's ingrained within the life and practice of Jesus. It's ingrained within the early church. Um, and, um, and then I, that's when the, maybe a little bit of dissonance started happening of, of, yeah. you know, it, it, the Christianity that I read in the Bible isn't always the Christianity I see in the American church in the 21st century. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm reading right now through the book of Isaiah chapter by chapter and, but reading uh, alongside of it, uh, the Africa Bible commentary on Isaiah. Um, so it's written by African Christian scholars. And um, of course they do a much better job of all these verses in Isaiah about how part of God's restoration of what he was going to do in the world was going to be to lift up the oppressed, right? Break uh, bonds and set people free and be mindful of people that the powers that be were not being mindful of. Um, but yeah, that does not seem to be, I agree with you. Your experience is my experience. Um, uh, does not seem to be a, as much of a point of emphasis in our churches as it is in the Bible itself. 
Um, so you, you grew up, uh, you had this experience. And by the way, I think it's just great for the listeners to be reminded um, the importance of broadening your cultural horizons, especially during formative years, um, be it you know middle school or be it your college. Uh, uh, but it's important why your thoughts are taking shape for you to see the world in its many layers. Um, yeah, it's just a, yeah. a healthy reminder for all of us uh, to get out of our cultural ghettos. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's that's great. I think that's definitely true. So, um, so what happened uh, next? So you see, so obviously, you you between uh, high school, your your home experience, and starting Simple Charity was college. I'm assuming. Uh, so yeah, how did all this blossom during those years? Yeah. So. So God started planting those seeds in my life when I was 12 years old on this mission trip in Kenya. And then the, the seeds began to grow. And by the end of high school, I, I had to do something. <laughs> and so I had this great house church kind of Bible study community in high school. Uh, I actually had a really wonderful high school experience. I know that not everyone uh, can say that. So I receive it with, with gratitude. And um, in this community, a lot of us were were on board with this idea of of we need to to care for the poor as part of our discipleship of of Jesus and so simple charity actually began as a high school club at North Forsyth High School in Forsyth County Georgia wow. and we launched out with this team of 12 seniors the goal was to do something for one year uh, there was no long-term vision at all and our goal was to in one school year raise $100,000 to fight global poverty in Jesus name and we're going to do this big thing and make a splash and change lives around the world. And we, we didn't hit our goal, but uh, we did end up raising about $60,000 for That's charities great. that work around the world. Um, wow. And this was from, you know, grassroots fundraisers, making t-shirts with spray paint and <laughs> doing yard sales and chili dinners. And, you know, we raised $60,000. Our largest gift was about $2,000. Hmm. So I went off from there to, to college and I was totally burnt out. And I, I said, all right, God, I'm never doing anything with nonprofits. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds exhausting. <laughs> um, I'm going to become, become a doctor. And, uh, and then the Lord just kind of called me back. I switched, ended up switching majors, studying economics and global health. Um, and then as, as soon as I graduated, uh, launched out into doing simple charity full time. And then during those college years, that club, you know, those students graduated, they went to college and they started starting these clubs. Mm. And so now we had these five chapters of simple charity mm. with no full-time staff. Um, you know, we started working on the legal structure, we got 501c3 status in 2017. I graduated in 2019 and then began working full-time. So wow. that's so. Yeah. Wow. No, that's good. That's awesome. So, um, you know, what is it, um, that you would want to really see changed? I mean, I know you talk about solidarity, uh, humility and charity and those things, and that I'm Mm. all with you there. Um, but I guess, uh, can we, at a practical level, what does that look like maybe for people in Forsyth County going to a church, uh, this weekend? Um, you know, what practically, what you know as you see it what shape does it take in people's lives yeah that's great that's great so that that was that's a question obviously it's such an important question you mm-hmm. know how do we put these things into practice um you know so as i said i've been digging into this 
these ideas of virtue and mm-hmm. those people who write about virtue, they always talk about habits. Mm-hmm. And so we, uh, we started asking early on, you know, what habits uh, does someone cultivate who actually lives out these things of, you know, lives out solidarity with the poor. And, and we, we, we landed on five hmm. and we articulated these in something we call our profession of practice. So we have a statement of faith. We also have a profession of practice. And the five practices are gratitude, trust, giving, prayer, and fasting. And we operationalize these in really specific terms in our profession of practice. And, you know, it's not meant to be this like uh, thing where you have to live out by these set of rules, you know, this in order to to be a part of our community. But it it is something we found to be helpful to inviting people in to a set of habits and then beginning to form communities of practice around an agreed upon thing. And, and, and they all have these baseline goals that are attainable, you know, so forgiving just, just the baseline of tithing. I mean, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I think we just have to remember most, most Christians in America don't tithe. Yeah. Um, and I mean, that's a, it's, it's, it's really, that's just in and of itself is a big problem. I mean, it's a big problem yeah. it, and it's, it's not just a problem in terms of financing our churches and financing our ministries. It's a problem at the heart discipleship level and hmm. the lives of, of people, you know, because it to, to not give is evidence of this scarcity mindset. And Jesus hmm. says, I give that you would have life and have it abundantly. And so generosity is actually an expression and evidence of someone living the abundant life. Um, hmm. And, and the reality is, are, are we living the abundant life and, you know, or are we racking up credit card debt and, yeah. and spending more and more and, and really living in this trap of materialism and scarcity that uh, that's honest, it ends up being life taking instead of life giving. Um, so anyways, so we have those five practices and that's, that's the root of what we, how we operationalize inviting people into yeah. practicing living out solidarity with the poor. Oh, that's good. Um, so, you know, you mentioned already this connection that Simple Charities had from its beginning with the college campus, you know, that your high school experience essentially got translated uh, across some campuses to get going. Um, yeah, I'm just curious, uh, what does it look like for college students, particularly, to be mindful of the poor? Absolutely. I, I think this is such an important question. I think it's such a good question. Um, you know, I, one thing that I like to, um, to remember is that about 7% of people in the world have a four-year college degree. Mm -hmm. And so to to receive a college education is this enormous gift, um, that will pay economic dividends out for the rest of your life. Now, keeping, keeping that in mind, you know, what, what is the culture we see on college campuses around something like, um, you, you know, money. I mean, just to, yeah. What is the culture around money? I mean, college students, we talk about how we're broke. <laughs> we're yeah. racking up all this debt. And, and that's, you know, these things are, are true, but at the same time, if you were to compare our economic standing yeah. with other 18 to 21 year olds around the world, you know, we are living on the, on the top of the pyramid. Yeah. And, um, and so, so what does it look like solidarity with poor on a college campus? I, I think it starts, you know, it starts with this idea of remembering the poor that we talked about, um, but it manifests itself again through an abundance mindset. You know, it just, it, it begins with gratitude of, of am, do I, um, <laughs> honestly, a really specific thing, like how often do I complain? Um, mm-hmm. 
you know, and how often do I explicitly thank God for the gift of <laughs> a college education or, a, you know, state food on, you know, no. at my dining hall, <laughs> you, you know, about, you know, we, we, and, and like on campuses, and this is what we want to encourage people to do is it's easy to complain about dining hall food. Um, and it's honestly countercultural to, to receive it as a gift. Mm. Um, and yet that posture is, is where it starts. Um, and, and what we encourage students to is we encourage them to be generous. You know, we have college students uh, on our chapters to do these things called $5 Fridays, where every five, every Friday, there's a new charity that they spotlight. And then they encourage students to try to rally their friends to get $5 to this charity. And, and, you know, in the Bible, the, the Bible does not measure caring for the poor and the amounts that are given. Um, you know, I work with major donors and they can write these big checks and, you know, that's, that's great. That's generosity of that kind is wonderful, but the Bible measures caring for the poor and generosity in terms of, of the heart. And mm -hmm. a lot of times we'll commend the kind of $5 Friday giving, <laughs> uh, in, in a way that's, you know, there's something closer to the way of Jesus in that, that, uh, I don't yeah. have to, to draw too much. Yeah. Yeah. I but, you know, a $50,000 <laughs> gift from you know, <laughs> yeah. From well, I mean, I think, I mean, I think what you're getting at is that it's actually very difficult for the average evangelical, well, I'll just say in America, to have mindfulness of the poor's existence, even on a daily or weekly basis. Uh, I mean, I, you can go a whole week without considering the plight of the poor, even those around you. Um, sometimes because you don't, drive through that part of town, you know, your parts of town where your office and home and schools are, um, are not, don't have visible signs of poverty or material poverty, at least. Um, so yeah, even just having a, a mindfulness of the poor is difficult. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, it's, um, it's, it's more than half the battle to remember <laughs> the poor. I mean, that's, that is uh, that is a word for for all of us, you know, whether you're in a college yeah. campus or you're in a Fortune 100 company. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so you so we've talked about simple charity a lot here, and how, your story that's of course behind it. Uh, but you know, you're the founder of an organization, right? You already talked about having to go through the legal processes of establishing a 501c3. You've talked about major donors you have to interact with. Yeah, I'm curious. Uh, what what's what have you learned about the mechanics of operating and growing a nonprofit? Wow, um, a lot. <laughs> I, <bet. laughs> uh, I like to tell people I feel like I've been getting I've gotten a master's degree in starting simple charity. Yeah, <laughs> it's a very it's a very particular type of degree. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> um, I, I think the most helpful framework I've gotten. I've received and just talking to mentors and, um, you know, engaging with a lot of content around how to build things is that as a founder, I really have three jobs. So my job is to provide clarity, to raise capital and to recruit people. <laughs> um, and so I could maybe just share what I've learned briefly about, about each of those jobs. Um, in terms of providing clarity, I think, um, I have learned the value of writing. <laughs> I think every, every founder, leader of an organization um, should, you know, may, I don't know. This, this is just my, my take. I, I think yeah. every founder or leader of an organization should think deeply about 
am I putting what people do, what we do, every, everything that we do in writing in a way that is clear. <laughs> um, so yeah. clarity, a lot of times means a few good words, not yes. just lots and lots of words. Yep. Um, so my first job is to provide clarity. My second job is to raise capital. This is probably my biggest weakness as a leader. I know it's your, your field of expertise. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, uh, <laughs> I, I'm hesitant as I, as I share what I've learned, but I think the biggest thing I've learned perhaps is um, that fundraising is about relationships, yeah. not money. Yeah. And when fundraising becomes about money, instead of being about relationships, then you get yourself in all sorts of uh, problems. You've learned um, a lot. <laughs> it's, it is, I'm a, a traveler for sure, um, but a fellow traveler, but yeah. And then the people piece, you know, Jim, so you cast a vision, you get the, you get the money, then you mm -hmm. need to make the money do something. And that really means recruiting and hiring people. Um, you know, I, I love Jim Collins. Mm. He says first who, then what, mm. and we've just tried to live by that. You know, we look for people who are really good at stuff. We try to rope them into simple charity. And then we, we, I, you know, I figure out what to do that, that is mission aligned that helps yeah. Christians practice solidarity with the poor, but I don't have like a, this, we have this program, this program, this program, or I haven't in the last two years. Uh, it's more like, who can we get? Who's really good at something? And then yeah. how can we get them to, to do something for us? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you, you, you're, you're the asset that you need is human, right? You need yes. human assets. I mean, to, and so the more quality uh, of human you get uh, to be part of this, the, the better the work uh, will be. Uh, so I totally get it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I'm, I'm curious, I don't know if I can ask you questions. But, yeah, yeah, go for uh, it. <laughs> um, I mean, you're, you're on a, a journey as a founder as well. Yeah. Um, and I, I would just love to learn more about Roundtree and uh, what you've learned in this journey. Yeah, no, it's a, uh, yeah, it's I me mean, starting a business is like starting an organization, right? You're trying to get something up and going and you've got to get the right, you know, you got to get some capital, you got to get people, all those things, um, clients, sales, marketing. Um, yeah, no, it's, uh, well, actually it's funny because, you know, we really help nonprofits uh, clarify and amplify their story in order to strengthen and grow relationships with donors. Um, and our, our big message to nonprofits is actually something you just said, which is clarity. Uh, most nonprofits, it's clear to the people in the room, the, the, the staff, and maybe the board yeah. as to who you are right. and what you do. But it's not told in a way that makes it simple and intuitive to the outside world. Mm. And, they, and that the organization doesn't understand why they're not getting more traction. Uh, and a lot of organizations are like that light hidden under a bushel. I mean, it's great stuff going on there that nobody knows about. Um, and so uh, we even do this exercise. Uh, I call it the billboard exercise, which is you have to describe your organization in seven words or less, because that's what billboards typically uh, seven words or less in order to get the person to consider the next round of your, your value proposition. Um, it's really a hard exercise to get executive directors and founders of organizations to boil it down to seven words in a way that they feel they can own and be confident in and be excited about. But yeah, my journey is that, I mean, I, you know, of course I made a lot of mistakes uh, with Roundtree in, in the beginning and learn from those mistakes like everyone does. Um, but, you know, I'm a believer that 
uh, when it comes, I say this in the for-profit sector more, but uh, the, mm-hmm. the riches are in niches, uh, which means the more specific you can be, the better you will be. Uh, yeah. I am not a marketing agency to all people. Uh, I'm, I'm a marketing agency to mostly faith-based organizations. Right. That, that's who we serve. Those are our people. We mm-hmm. get their pain points. We get how those organizations run, how decisions are made. We understand their cost constraints. You know, we understand donor communications and how the cadence and, and those things. So the more you can niche down, the better that you will be. In the nonprofit world, that becomes difficult because maybe you have a major donor who's willing to write a big check for you to go do this other thing now, you know, extend into this other area. And it's very tempting. Uh, But you just have to learn that that no is a healthy no, Mm. you know, that that's going to set you up for long-term success. Um, Yeah. uh, In in what you really should be focusing on. Um, That's hard to do, though. It's hard to turn down money. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> definitely definitely i i no i think that's that's a message a needed word for the the nonprofit community of yeah. the specificity I, that you know what, like i said we evaluate charities we've looked at over 600 faith-based charities that are alleviating mm-hmm. poverty in the u.s and around the world and some of them you, you some of them you know it's easy to try want to solve every problem yeah and to fall into the trap as a nonprofit of while trying to solve every problem to not get good at solving any one particular problem. Yeah. And, and so, you know, I, I, I do agree. I mean, it's, it's hard with donors. I, I think to the donor (laughs) community, uh, the donor community personally, you know, we're these, this middleman, people give money to our recommended charities and, and then we pass it on to, to our recommended charities. And it's always an unrestricted gift. I, you know, the donor, yeah. I, I really believe the donor community needs to just learn that unrestricted gifts are better. <laughs> if yeah. you trust no, an organization, really yeah. just, just give it as an unrestricted gift. <laughs> and yeah, let them the biggest blessing. It. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. You know, yeah. and so I feel yeah. passionate about educating donors on your, <laughs> don't don't tie the hands of the people you're trying to help. Yeah. Um, well, and I, I think. um I think uh, nonprofits get so passionate about their programs too that they they ignore some of the basic building blocks of organization institution building. You know, so they tend to neglect right. the, they tend to view marketing and maybe even fundraising and some other things on the operational side as just tangential. We'll get to it when we can. They don't think like, hey, if we don't hire first in class marketing people you know, we're going to be hurting in three years. Yeah. You know, they just yeah. don't think like that. They think, oh, you know, we'll hire this young person right out of college. Hey, no, by the way, no offense. I'm not trying to, <laughs> you, <laughs> you can hire people right out of no, college. But you know. Oh, well, uh, our, whole t- our whole team is, is right out of college, but no, no, no offense. Yeah, no offense but, but generally they're looking for the cheapest option. That's why they yes. hire that person. And it's not that those people are never, by, and by the way, I've hired a lot of people right out of college from business and been very <laughs> satisfied with the experience. Uh, but, the, but the fact is they're looking for people out of college because of the price point, not because yep. of the quality. Um, yep. And, and so anyways, that, that's a big pain point in nonprofits. It's a big pain point in for-profits, right? I mean, I'm passionate about marketing. I don't want to stare at spreadsheets all day about finance and taxation and stuff, you know, I, so I get it. Um, you right. played your strengths, um, but yeah. And, 
I, I, there's a statement I've said it before on this podcast. I'll say it again, which is the the great thing about nonprofits is that they are free from the pressures of the market. Mm-hmm. Uh, the worst thing about nonprofits, they are free from the pressures of the market. <laughs> so yeah. the thing that makes them great is also the thing that at times you're like, oh, you know, if you were a for-profit business, you'd be doing this differently. Because uh, we don't we don't have, in some senses, the margin to make mistakes uh, that mm-hmm. are consequential. Um, we just can't go out and ask for another check. You know, I mean, and we just can't. So yeah, it takes, it takes a lot more focus and discipline. Yeah, absolutely. I absolutely agree with that. I, I like the language um, that Praxis uses. They talk about the stakeholder gap, you know, that the people yeah. benefiting from what you're building are not the people who are paying for it. <laughs> uh, yeah. And that's, that gap is, is, um, you know, like you said, a blessing and a curse. Yeah, I couldn't yeah, put it better. That's right. Uh, well, good, man. Well, this was fun. Uh, it's great to hear your story uh, of, yeah, how God led you to where you are and to hear what you're doing. And um, yeah, and and this, uh, you'll continue to learn about what it takes to grow an organization as you continue to lead Simple Charity. Mm-hmm. Uh, so thanks for taking time to talk. Absolutely, Andy. Honored to be here. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Brian. You know, that was the first time I had met Brian uh, and got to hear the story firsthand of Simple Charity. And the earlier you learn that fundraising is about relationships, the better off you're going to be in years to come. So thanks to Brian for giving us a glimpse of what he's doing and what he's learned. And would you do us a favor? And on your streaming service, would you give us a review, give us a thumbs up, subscribe, and tell your friends about Next Donor. I look forward to uh, being with you again on our next episode. If you want to learn more about growing donor relationships through strategic communications, make sure you visit roundtreeagency.com. See you again soon.